0: and a trendsetter in the field of mindful leadership. Your host, Holly Duckworth.
1: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Everyday Mindfulness Show, where we get to live and breathe and question and explore with the pioneers of the mindfulness movement and with people just out there trying this stuff. Today, I am so excited to bring to you one of the early pioneers in the mindfulness movement with more than 25 years experience. He's authored more than 15 books. Donald Altman, M-A-L-P-C, is a psychotherapist, an award-winning author, former Buddhist monk. He is a teacher and adjunct professor at Lewis and Clark. Graduate School of Education and Counseling in my favorite part of the world, Portland, Oregon. We had an instant connection. I know you're going to love the work that we're going to talk about today. Donald, welcome to the show.
2: Oh, well, well, hi, Holly. It's great to be here. And I just want to say I love your energy and your passion for mindfulness and in sharing it with people. That's also my passion. So it's great to be on your show.
1: Well, you have a website that continues to inspire, mindfulpractices.com, and it's such a great resource for ease of access to this content, your books, your research, the, the fun that you're doing, and on this show, because we can't cover 25 years of experience in 20 minutes, we, we're focusing on a topic that I think is so needed in our 24-7 world today. And that's your newest book, Hot Off the Presses. I haven't even got a copy yet, which is Reflect, The Power of Reflection. Um, Talk to us a little bit about what inspired you to write this book.
2: Uh, Well, this is, uh, Reflect is really kind of a distillation of all my years working in mindfulness, uh, spending time even in a monastery as a monk, and learning that uh, you can sit in meditation for a very long time, but uh, there are ways to help people more quickly connect with a a more expansive state of awareness. And that's what my goal was with this book, was to help people, uh, was to create a mindfulness that more fit our 21st century sensibilities. You know, we're on the go now. A lot of people don't have the luxury of going to a a weekend retreat or just sitting for an hour during the day, right? We're all on the move. And and from what I've learned about brain science, I've applied here. And I and this book is based on the idea of what I call uh P-R-R-R, PR3 or PER, as I like to call it, Pur like a cat, <laughs> which is the idea that you pause throughout the day, you look at one of the readings in the book, you pause, you reflect inwardly, and reflection actually um, uh, optimizes the part of the brain right behind the eyebrow, which is the most human part of the brain. And it's the part of the brain that can help us regulate our emotions, look within, gain a sense of peace and calm. So you pause, you reflect, and you relate is the third hour. And the fourth hour means repeat. <laughs> so you do this throughout the day. And then you don't have to bark like a dog when things happen. You just purr. <laughs> and so, uh, this is a very, uh, uh, it's a book to help people uh, start to notice. Every every reading is very short, uh, but the reflections, so there's a short reading, and then there are three prompts, and they prompt you to look more deeply and reflect, and they're very targeted prompts. And so the idea here is to get people to an awaken uh, a greater state of awareness, connection with others. You know, when you talk about 25 years of working in the mindfulness field, and what I've come to understand is that mindfulness really at its the core is to reduce suffering in our lives, reduce suffering, and to increase joy, increase compassion, increase connection. If we start to recognize the roots of suffering, which we can do when we start to look at the nature of the mind, we can see how it creates cravings, desires, all these things that are, are really sometimes a desire for control, expectations of things, things that actually can... Um, reduce our uh, joy and happiness, but when we start to notice them and notice them in a, in a, from a place of awareness, from a, almost like a safe, constructive space, right? Distancing and just looking and noticing, then you start to change your relationship to all those thoughts. So when I've worked as a psychotherapist with people with anxiety or depression, it's really great to see them when they start to suddenly recognize that, oh, wait, those thoughts are not me right, just because I have that depressive thought or that anxious thought or that distressing thought, they're able to just kind of observe it and almost honor it. Even our past, we have past stories and histories, and that's part of what I wanted to do in this book was to help us uh, honor our pasts. And so the original meaning of mindfulness is a word, a Sanskrit word, sati, S-A-T-I, but the original meaning of this word is to self-recollect and self-remember. So how can we, in other words, bring the fragmented parts of ourselves together and bring wholeness, self-recollection, self remembrance self-wholeness together? And that's really the purpose of what I uh, am hoping this book can do for people. And what my work is really all about these days is helping people um you know, come back from being fragmented. Our distraction is fragmented. Think about the word distraction, distracted. We need traction in life. We need traction in our day. And this practice, this pause, reflect, relate, and repeat is a way of actually, it works great with the brain because that's how the brain rewires itself through repetition and through practice. These are short practices you can do for a minute or two just to reflect inwardly on some of these targeted ideas, some of the targeted readings, and actually rewire your brain. And we've learned that we change from the inside out. This, you know, not too many years ago, this was thought to be impossible. (laughs) No one thought that you could actually, by changing how you thought, change how you think in the future and how you might behave in the future. And now we're seeing that that's true.
1: Oh, Donald, you just gave us so much stuff to un- unpack there, but I, I, don't, I don't even know where to start. But I'm, I'm going to start, start with this because it's a question I get a lot, and there's no better person to ask than, than than a former monk. I get asked the question a lot, what's the difference between mindfulness and meditation?
2: Hmm. Well, mindfulness is an awareness of moment-by-moment an awareness of what's happening moment by moment as it arises—your thoughts, your emotions, physical sensations—just an awareness of what's happening to you—and um, where meditation is really about focusing attention on an object for a long period of time. So you can focus on a mantra, you could focus on a, on a you know a candle, you could can focus on the breath, and um, uh, so a mindfulness meditation is also. Uh, It's also focusing attention, but it's also opening up awareness and having a more spacious perspective on things as they occur in the moment, watching how things arise and fall away, watching impermanence, for example. One of the things that causes some of our suffering is thinking that things are permanent, right? Like I'll always have a head of of hair, (laughs) in my own case. (laughs) I could uh, have felt, oh, that's horrible, I can't keep that out of hair, or I better get some hair transplants or whatever. But uh, we start to notice that uh, one of the causes of our suffering is trying to hold on to things. But when we notice and start to understand the nature that things are impermanent, that they're always changing that we don't have to try to hold on. Uh, That gives us a, a, a real sense of freedom and liberation from that suffering. Right? We start to notice, oh, that's just the nature of the way things go. If I buy a car, and I used to live in Chicago. If you buy a new car and then it goes through the Chicago winter, maybe some of your listeners can relate to that. Um, at the end of the winter, you know, uh, that car might not be as shiny anymore. And if you drive the car long enough, sometimes, you know, eventually the tires go bald and sometimes it happens to the driver. <laughs> right. So we can, um, uh, <laughs> You know, we can try to resist or reject, and there's so many ways we try to resist or reject what's happening in the moment, and so uh, which also creates an amount of suffering for us. So, even uh, for example, um, I remember the time that I had—I uh, was seeing a lot of clients in one particular day, and uh, I had a cancellation. I wasn't feeling as centered and present with the people as I was hoping to be. By the way, this. I think uh, increasing our, our presence in the moment is what is another way you can think about mindfulness and how it helps us, helps us respond and participate in the moment. So I thought I'd go down to the river and do a short meditation, a walking meditation, and get more centered and go back to my office. I started doing my walking meditation down by the river. It was colder than I thought. I felt the cold air. I thought, well, this is kind of unpleasant, right? A little thought came up. And then uh, I continued to walk, and there was a field, and some kids were playing, and they were shouting and having fun, but um, that kind of automatic thought again came up, you know, these kids are so loud, they're ruining my perfect walking meditation, (laughs) And, and, um, and I almost turned like a robot, a little, another, sometimes we have what I call mind whispers, little thoughts that come by almost like commands and they tell us what to do. And if you're not really paying attention, you can follow those. And they might uh, be old conditioned ideas from your past. And and so this one said, hey, go back to the office. It's quieter, it's warmer there. You'll have a better meditation, right? And I started to turn just like that robot. Then I caught the thought and I started to laugh in this field. Oh, so this moment isn't good enough. I'm going to reject it. I'm going to reject it for somewhere better, somewhere warmer, somewhere quieter, right? And so in that moment, I decided I needed to be present with what was around me, not to have to reject it or push it away. And so I let in the cold air, I let in the sounds of the kids, and I had a wonderful centering meditation. So one of the things that we do in this practice, is we learn how to um, uh, be more open to what's happening and not to have to reject moments because we think somehow that they're inferior, right? It's a wonderful so, path of, of, of being open, of, of, of bringing acceptance and compassion to yourself and to others in the moment.
1: So that brings us around to this concept of judgment, and I often reference um, John Kabat-Zinn's definition of mindfulness, the practice of being present in the moment with non-judgment. Mm-hmm. and, and I kind of joke, you know, our brains are hardwired for judgment. And and how do we, how do we also honor that this is a practice? It's not perfect in a world that says we have to be perfect. Oh,
2: yeah. Um, uh, so, so, yeah, this is not, I, I'm telling people all the time that you don't, I call it remindfulness. You don't have to be perfect with it. You can remember, remind yourself to come back and you don't, I don't know if anybody could be aware and, uh, totally mindful 100% of the time, and that's not the goal here. The goal is, of course, just to be, um, uh, do our best to be open, to be present to what's happening, to participate in the moment. Really, mindfulness, a wonderful way to think about it, is that you're participating in life. You're not on the sidelines. You're not sitting there watching. We do a lot of watching things in our culture, right? But here you're participating. You're getting into the game, so to speak, and what's a wonderful place to be because that's where you make connections with other people. That's where you meet, have traction in your life. And, um, and you can have a wonderful life and experience joy. Even in those little ordinary moments of noticing something beautiful, uh, noticing a, a bird chirping. I had a client one time who was uh, lost in thoughts, right? We're a very mental culture. This person had a lot of ruminating thoughts, was struggling with depression. And I had... This person, I said, a practice for noticing things that were happening in the environment. And they came back. And one of the things I, I said, I want you to notice delight, moments of delight, things that make you smile, things that bring you a sense of joy, maybe make you laugh. One beautiful thing that you've seen. And so this guy came back to me and I said, well, how did that practice go? And he said, well, I heard a bird chirping. It reminded me of springtime and it gave me hope. So it was a beautiful, expression of how when we get out of our heads, we get into the ordinary moment, that ordinary moment actually can be very sublime and very profound and change our lives. And so actually it's, uh, you know, how can we get into this little ordinary moment instead of being focused so much on the future or thinking about what happened to us in the past?
1: I love what you say on your website. Mindfulness isn't an escape route or a means of avoidance, but a means of experiencing and accepting the richness of all the polarities that life offers, such Mm -hmm. as sadness and joy. And I don't often have the opportunity to reflect or share with somebody that 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 is a real thing. I mean, unfortunately, our world says we can either be happy or we can be sad, and yet I have many experiences in my life where I am both of those things in the exact same moment.
2: Yeah, yeah. And so we uh, accepting, holding all the polarities, even at the same time, it brings you a wonderful sense of wholeness. This is really a practice, what some might call practice of non-duality. Some of your viewers may have heard that term, but it's, it's idea that it's going beyond you know, the right and the wrong, the good, the bad. And so we don't have to get in that argument with that other person who we might uh, have a disagreement with, we can understand that we can both we can hold all these polarities, not just within ourselves, but notice them and others in a kind, compassionate way. And uh, and I think we need that more today than ever. When there's so much uh, severity in our world, we need greater civility and greater sense of understanding with others.
1: So we often just
2: before brought that up.
1: Yeah. Before the break, we often invite our guests. Um, We recognize that sometimes the power of a question can open us up to a greater mindfulness experience. Is there a question or a mantra or, or a tool that, that you use on a regular basis or invite clients to use that we might be able to share with our listeners as we go to a break?
2: Well, yeah, actually I'll notice sometimes that if I, um, uh, and I still react to things, right? And that reaction that comes up, there's a part of the brain that is the stress module of the brain. It's like a, like a, like a fire alarm, right? Or like a smoke detector and it fires off. So my question that I sometimes ask when I get reactive is where did this knot originally come from, right? You can almost think of this as an, a, a karmic knot from your past, right? Where did this knot come from right now that it, it, this uh, has ignited in me? and so it's a question that has me start to look back maybe in my in my history so when did this first start what was it what is it about this situation that tends to ignite in me and that's a great question for looking inward
1: wonderful well we'll let our listeners take that into the break if there's something that you're you're feeling a little charged up about utilize this question to ha- perhaps unpack more wisdom around your life we'll be right back after a short break mm-hmm.
0: The Everyday Mindfulness Show is brought to you by Leadership Solutions International. Are you hosting an upcoming conference or convention, or looking for a speaker to provide inspiration and motivation? Would you like your audiences to know what you know as a listener of the Everyday Mindfulness Show? Check out Leadership Solutions International for more on mindful leadership keynote offerings, on-site mindfulness information centers, and trainings.
1: You're listening to the Everyday Mindfulness Show, and we are here with the, the author and the owner of a powerful tool um, that you can access on the web web called mindfulpractices.com. And we're here with Donald Altman. Thanks again for being on the show. So as I as I was, was playing around, you've written more than 15 books in a a variety of, of genres from short reflective pieces to bigger meatier stories and explorations and you also have what I think is kind of fun you have an adult coloring book and so I, I, I want to know a little bit a little bit about that I too I do have a, a coloring book and people go you do all this big research and all that why a coloring book and, and how can people use it and access it and what can they get benefit from utilizing one of those books in your
2: toolkit. Oh, tw- mention that. That's uh, a, one of my uh, kind of a favorite book. I think all my books are kind of like my children, right? And I love them all equally, but I like the uh, this is stay Col- stay mindful in color. And so, stay mindful in color is a very probably one of the most unique mindfulness coloring books out there because every uh, coloring page has a actual short practice beside it. So, um, and I worked directly with the artist, a guy named Paul Mendoza, a wonderful artist, and he drew these fabulous pictures that, um, they're, and they're, they're not so convoluted, you know, I mean, they're, they're actual images that portray a scene and you can color them in so many beautiful ways, but the other thing about color is color. And, uh, many of us are visual, so to color like that really, uh, engages a lot of the brain and allows us to, to calm us down and to soothe us in the moment, and we can bring our focus and really feel—it's a very mindfulness practice. Coloring, when you think about it, you're choosing the color, and then you're making the movements, and and um, and you're you're bringing together this image, and no two are alike. I mean, you could do you could do the same image several times, and you'll color it differently, and that's kind of neat. But the idea here again is that each practice. Uh, uh, so, so let's say, for example, there might be one about breathing or one about helping another person, being a mentor or lighting another's candle. Right. And so each one of those would have an image related to that particular, um, uh, practice. And some of these are actually drawn as, as, uh, mandalas. So they're, 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 so they're really, uh, very beautiful, but that's, uh, stay mindful in color. So for people out there who like to do that and also want to learn some uh, really helpful practices for um, calming down in the moment or just getting connected to this moment, uh, that's a nice way to do it.
1: I I often get get asked the question, you know, do I have to meditate to be mindful? Because people sometimes get charged up by that word meditate. And I think this coloring book, I have one as well that has, you know, minor mandalas for every letter of the alphabet and a spiritual practice for every letter of the alphabet that, you know, if listeners are are jumping on and they're just starting to explore their practice, this can be a great way to be educated. I call it edutainment, educated and have a little entertainment. And you're meditating without having to
2: meditate. Right. You're meditating without having to, uh, you know, use the meditate word. And, um, and that's why, uh, actually, in this book, Reflect, I never used the word mindfulness once in that book. It's all about here and now. It's a here and now practice. And uh, so we don't have to get stuck on that word, necessarily, but you're still doing it. You're engaging your attention, your awareness, using it in specialized ways to help you um, find a greater sense of peace, joy, and balance in the moment. And that's what it's really about. We're here. I don't believe we're here to suffer. We're here to find joy and to find connection and compassion with others. And um, and and that's really, uh, I think, uh, the purpose uh, to use mindfulness is to really um, open up a new world for everybody.
1: So here's a funny question that honors the, the paradox oh, of
2: life. <laughs> the,
1: the, par- the paradox of life. And I asked this, this question um, to, to special guests that I, that, I, that I think might have a fun perspective on it. And it's, what do you think the future of mindfulness is? You know, now we're seeing it on the cover of Time and People and um, this month's uh, National Geographic. Mm-hmm. And it is funny because mindfulness is the power of the present moment, but what do you think the future of it is?
2: Well, I, I think it's gonna have a very important future and one of the reasons is for the first time, I think we're competing against artificial intelligence to tell us who we are. Now think about that for a moment, because all these algorithms are determining what you like and pop up in the windows and say, oh, you're the person who likes this and likes that. Right. Uh, we never before had anything competing with our idea, our sense of our self-knowing uh, idea of who we are within. Now for the first time, we're competing with that. So I think mindfulness is gonna have a very important role, more, maybe more important than ever before, in helping people uh, maintain that essence of uh, what does it mean to be human? How am I unique in the universe? And by the way, each one of us is the most unique human being in the entire universe. And I can give you some brain science behind that, but there's no question about it because every brain is unique through the experiences it has. Even uh, identical twins will have different experiences and their brains change their, uh, the way their genes express are very different. And so that's a beautiful thing is to recognize our uniqueness, not to make us greater, better machines. I think that is something we don't, that would actually um, diminish our ability to be mindful, right? So I think mindfulness is gonna play a very important role in the future in helping uh humans maintain an understanding of who they really are and start to really understand the nature of the mind the nature of compassion and what it what it means to be human is not to become a better machine and sometimes i see that even mindfulness is kind of used like that oh we're going to be more productive or you're going to have to reduce your you know your stress and sure those things are byproducts but that's not the main reason for doing this practice is to again is to recognize where our suffering comes from and then to grow our compassion and connect with others in a fulfilling and meaningful way, which is uh, so beautiful. really, um, uh, and again, I think our purpose is to find that fulfillment, to find that joy in life. And, and joy also, when you think about joy, it really comes from the ancient word rejoice, which means how do you play it? So it's in the moment where happiness often is, you know, people tie it to my external kinds of things. I'll be happy when I get that relationship or that car or that house, things outside of me, right? Where mindfulness is really, it's the joy that comes from within.
1: Well, it's an exciting time to to be alive and really see how this conversation of, of human beingness and human doingness world is going to evolve. Yeah, so there are lots of ways that our listeners can connect to your work. Um, you just you shared with me before the show that you're going to be having some columns and articles available on psychology today. We mentioned mindfulpractices.com. Are there other ways or tools that people can connect to you and your work?
2: Yeah, well, on mindfulpractices.com, you can sign up for my newsletter on the homepage of that website. But I also have a Reflect community for people who like um, – really connecting with others and a Facebook type of thing. It's a Facebook community for reflection. And uh, and then not to just reflect in, within the community, but then to, re- to bring this out into our lives. And that is facebook.com forward slash MND, F-U-L-N-E-S-S. So it's mindfulness without the I. We're taking the I. The, the I, the me, the my, the mind out of mindfulness. So it's facebook.com slash mindfulness without the I M N D fullness.
1: Awesome. And I will make sure to get that link from you, and we will include it in the show notes. So if people are, cool. are driving or moving, that you can, can grab it online. So any last-minute words of wisdom or inspiration before we let you get back to your mindful day?
2: Well, find one beautiful thing today and then share it with another that would be what I'd like to leave everybody with.
1: Well, you are on my list of beautiful things today. I know some oh. people are listening, listening online and, and some are going to see the video. And in, in the background here, there's a, a beautiful string of rainbow prayer flags. And any you know, anytime I see those, it just reminds me to be, be flowing with the beauty of the moment. And this conversation has just been such a wonderful dialogue on where we can start. And I hope that you will consider yourself a friend of the show and come back many times. Oh.
2: Absolutely. And thank you. And may you continue to do the wonderful work you are doing, Holly.
1: Thanks so much. Remember, mindful matters, and so do you. Till next time.
0: Thank you for joining us for today's show. For more mindfulness every day, visit everydaymindfulnessshow.com and download the three-day challenge and experience the ABCs of mindfulness.